This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So, on our Instagram channel, which is one of the many Mm. channels we use to communicate outside of this podcast on Spooko. one of the huge number. Recently, we shared some images of you, Peach, <laughs> imbibing some beers as part of your uh, birthday celebration yes. at a restaurant in Sydney. And look, we had a great night, but there was a weird moment where I feel like maybe I dropped a few rungs in your estimation. And I was actually like, <laughs> I was like, I was like a little bit shocked. And then I was like, oh, wow, there's, there might be something wrong with me. And Peach, I'd love to put you on the spot and explore yeah. that moment uh, at the start of this episode, if you don't mind. <laughs> Look, I love being put on the spot. <laughs> I bloody love it. <laughs> I love being put on the spot about high pressure stuff, like the status of, you know, valued friendships that are more than two decades long. Yeah, man, let's just riff. Let's just chat off the cuff about lighthearted stuff like this. So the place we went to, mm, beautiful Ho-Jack. place, uh, Hojiak, kind of contemporary Malaysian, mm. very much a uh, order many dishes to share. We probably ordered too many. I hadn't realized that you'd already <laughs> had many drinks and snacks before you arrived. So the no, amount well, of drinks... Well, 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 all right, all right. If, uh, if we're getting into logistics, I had had three drinks and zero snacks beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> So I came in, we went to the Duke of Clarence, which was this like slightly weird, like Anglo pub aping, but sort of, you know how in Sydney, nothing is authentic anymore. So it's all like an inspired by, so it's like inspired by an English pub, (laughs) but a round of three drinks is 50 bucks. (laughs) And it's like, yes, yes, congratulations (laughs) on being inspired by that. And then we went. <laughs> then we went to that izakaya and then we came in and so look i think i did come in hot i think that's probably <laughs> fair i think i came in a little bit hot <laughs> and then shag i think you would jump in front of a bullet for me to say everyone was like so what size beers will everyone get <laughs> large or small i said oh well look, i guess we can get large but peach look i'm not even talking about how that one liter beer destroyed you from the beginning <laughs> and probably wasn't a good call or the fact that we ordered far too many entrees so by the time the mains come came around no one could eat anything but i guess i guess i'm i'm, I'm just setting the scene yeah because we got to a point where i think you and i were both like 
let's look at the dessert menu. Our partners were like, we do not need dessert. <laughs> but you were in a like you were in a drunken, festive mood. You were like, we are getting fucking dessert. This is mm. happening. Uh, For because all my it's... faults, when I get drunk, I am fairly fun. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a melancholy drunk. Shag. I think you'd accept that. You are that. not a melancholy drunk at all. I think I'm down to clown when it comes to drinking. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and we, like I said before, it was a modern Malaysian place. So the mm. dessert menu had a sort of Malaysian take on churros. We were like, sweet, that sounds great. Anyway, yeah. these churros come to the table. Mm. There's four, which means we all get one each, which is great. I like, I did my churro in the sort of spiced chocolate sauce. Yep. I ate that half of it. And then I was like, oh, dry churro. No, thank you. So I dipped my already eaten half into the chocolate sauce. Yes. And you gave me a legit look to be like, oh, are you really doing this? <laughs> and I was, no I, was like a little, I, was, I was like a little bit taken aback. And I was like, oh, I, I just figured like, you know, <laughs> we're, we've, we're both in long-term relationships. None of us have STDs. It's fine. <laughs> like, and I, I kind of made a joke and you were like, well, no, you've, you've done it now. So, okay. <laughs> And, and I just want to examine that. Am I like, is, was that a moment when you were like, wow, Shag is not the guy I thought he was? Uh, no, it was not. I do not recall it happening. And it's had zero impact on my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I never would have known it had happened had you not just said that. So like from my perspective, the way the dinner went was I sat down, arrived, ordered a very, very large beer felt the pressure of meant to be like funnest person in the room. And I think we discussed this last week of like, Peach, don't kill the vibe. You've got a giant beer. You need to drink it hilariously fast. And I think it was gone within like 12 or 15 minutes. And it's a fairly large amount of beer, even for me. And I, and like, you know, and I, and I drink from time to time. And I think from that time I was like, oof, I'm pretty full and a bit drunk. And just kept eating and drinking. And from then, the, the evening was extremely fun and a whisper of a blur. And in all the text messages the next day, it was like, oh, how classic was it how we talked about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, man. That was my favorite. <laughs> that was my favorite bit. So, Shag, you have lost zero friendship points. You can dip your churros in my sauce anytime. And we're still best friends forever. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Peach, two more things I want to talk about. I want to, I guess I want to reveal. Yeah, um, love admin. Let's keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> love that admin. So first of all, uh, mm. I have only just pressed record, which means this is why my audio has remarkably improved because I'm not going to record. That was a great intro to an episode. So we're just going to record that. And yes. I'm just going to capture my audio from the Zoom recording. So this is Shut why I all knew this... you and Gary Vaynerchuk, you're so similar. You're so similar. <laughs> it's taken you so long to be like, yes, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> <laughs> but number two, I was speaking with someone on Insta recently who's just started listening to the show. Shout out, Gordon. And What's up, Gordon? We were talking about, you know, our sort of shared love of horror films mm. and how... Not, and... Not, not your and my shared, <laughs> no, your, and, my, your and Gordon's. This, this just discovered shared love that Gordon and I share. Yeah. And he made a point, and it's a really good point, where mm. people might not expect people like me or like 
him, you know, obviously us not knowing him very well, but people Mm. who don't come across as outwardly horror loving, people can be quite surprised. It's like, oh, I didn't realize someone like you would be into horror. And it's, it's, I guess it's, it's a common, it's a common misconception that people make that I think people who are into horror are also just kind of dark, broading, probably bad Mm. people, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess the final thing I kind of wanted to reveal, and it's, it's something we've talked about before, is like, mm. as a horror fan, wh- one of the things about horror is I really like being disturbed and spooked. And in fact, more often than not, in my weird, dark internet holes, the things that I'll be searching that afterwards I feel a bit grubby about are the most disturbing scenes in films or the grossest special effects ever used sort of thing. But do you watch them? Like, like I feel like there's a huge distinction between being like, oh, yep, sounds pretty gross. It, you know, like to read about it and be like, oh, yep, that sounds pretty gross. And being like, all right, now let's see it. <laughs> so so the, way, the way I've described it before and the way, you know, yeah. I described it in my chat with Gordon was I will never watch something where I think this might actually damage my psyche. And there's, there's a couple of films that I could, you know, name check right now where it's like, I will never watch them. I know of them. I've read all mm. about what happens in them. And I think, you know what? I don't need to do that to myself. Bride of Chucky, <laughs> Human Centipede 3. Well, yeah, Human Centipede 2 and 3 are probably two films I'll never watch. And 2 especially is a film where once you read the synopsis to that, it's just like, why do that to yourself but then at the same time I accept that so 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 like not to get too deep in the weeds right like I accept what you say about human centipede two and three but surely the same holds true for human centipede one like if you're gonna watch the first I I don't I I don't know how I'm making that distinction but that distinction Mm. exists but anyway so on the back of that right Mm. recently a film keeps popping up in craziest horror films of the last 10 years like goriest Mm. most disturbing blah 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 blah. Mm. and it just happens to align with everything we've been talking about in the most recent episodes of spook ghost so yeah malaysian food (laughs) getting too drunk on my birthday yeah yeah like i'm about it it's it's right on theme no no let's let's check off a few things right so number Mm. one you can only find this film on Shudder. Shout out, Shudder. Oh, like, I don't like, like, I feel like we're almost getting over leveraged to Shudder and they haven't even given us anything yet. Peach, our outro still says Resh's What's Up. They gave we us two got some beers. They gave from us them. two cases. We of haven't beer. even got anything from Shudder. <laughs> <laughs> we got at least some beers, although, in fairness, Resh's, like, actually, like, come on now, actually, Resh's, we'll have some more free beers, please. I think that's probably fair. And I don't think Adele should have to do the heavy lifting this time. Um, sorry, who's the name of our new friend? Roger, if you could reach Gordon. out to Gordon, just let your mates at Reshus know. Look, and don't message Adele. Do your own detective work. You figure out how to contact Reshus and get us some beer. Okay, Please. so number one, this film uh, exists on Shutter for you to watch. Number two, it's uh, directed yes. by it's directed by a woman. And we mm-hmm. know that this is something we're actively trying to seek out in Spooko at the moment uh, yes. to correct a massive historical blind spot we've had. Hugely agree. The third one's interesting, and it's tied to the fact that it was directed by a woman. Now, mm. I've said in the past that I never really want to cover the rape revenge genre. It's a big 
part of the slasher oeuvre. Is it, is it pronounced oeuvre? Yes, 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 I'm with you. It's a big part. You know, it, it, it's, it began in the 70s with films like uh, Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave, two films that I probably won't cover in Spooko. Mm. But this film, people keep talking about it as like a feminist spin on the rape and revenge genre. So I was like, oh, okay, God, I have to see like, this film. Yeah, okay, yeah. I literally stopped watching it maybe an hour and a half ago. I got to say, I really liked it. It was full on. It was harrowing. It's going to trigger so many vasovagal moments for you. But Paige, today we are doing a French film. French film, but set in America from 2017, simply called Revenge. Oh, très bien. I feel like one of the interesting things about the revenge genre is the sort of the whole point of it is to be like, it's okay that you're looking at horrific violence. Remember the awful horrific violence that our perpetrator faced earlier on in the film? Don't worry. It's okay that you're looking at this awful violence now because they were the victim of awful violence. And it's like, yeah, well, okay. But there's complexity there. Well, look, 100%. And I... I think this film doesn't shy away from the fact that it wants to basically be a retread of the genre, right down to the fact that it's literally called Revenge. Mm. But I just want to read the intro to the review that the AV Club gave this uh, back when it premiered uh, in the States in 2018. And No, I don't have time. I, <laughs> no, let's just move on. <laughs> but I think, this, I think this sets up the context really well about why this film is interesting, why it's potentially considered a feminist spin on it and also Mm. why it's worth watching you know if you can get past the insane gore so Mm. like i said before this is an article from the av club written by katie reif uh reviewing a revenge in which they gave it a b Looking back at rape revenge films produced during the genre's heyday in the 1970s, not coincidentally, also the decade that gave rise to the women's liberation movement, there's one simple question that provides endless insight into a title's intent and impact. Does it focus more on the rape or on the revenge? The structure of this particular subspecies of exploitation is so elemental, requiring little more than woman gets raped than kills her attackers, that the films serve as empty vessels for their creators' attitudes about women, violence, and power. Mm. Revenge director Coralie Fajit is very conscious about this dynamic in her debut feature, which stays faithful to the grindhouse spirit while subverting it with an unapologetically aggressive female gaze. So I, I just want that to set the scene because mm. what I loved when I read that is it harkens back to what we were talking about Maniac last week in that mm. 
Anybody can create like an evil killer that has psychological problems and is driven crazy by something. But the mm. way they're driven crazy and the things they're made to do have nothing to do with psychology and have everything to do with the morality and world view of the creators. And it's the same thing here, right? Like, do you focus, like, do you spend, like, I Spit on Your Grave, for example, is mm. now being reconsidered as a feminist classic, but probably spends about 10 minutes watching a woman get raped before we get to the deaths and it's a near impossible film to watch you know even as a 70s film um whereas in this film this film truly is about the revenge and in many ways it's kind of almost like a john wicksy sort of story of how this girl transforms from a naive sort of wannabe la starlet into a primal huntress i'm about it right but but I do get concerned when we, and when I say we, I mean white men talking about horror films are like, finally, <laughs> we've decided this is a feminist film. And it's like, look, yes, it is important that capital W, we, which is to say hyper-privileged white men are excited to hear about um, feminist films. But when we use terms like female gaze, like like male male gaze is the objectification of women, right? And so, I don't know what uh, uh, speaking broadly, and so I don't know what is intended by the term female gaze. My suspicion is that it is intended to convey this is a film told from the perspective of a female identifying character. That's fine, but that's not, that's not a female gay. Like, that is perhaps literally the gaze of a female character. And so, uh, like, uh, I guess I just want to throw out that, that sort of disclaimer and that cautionary tale of I, I hope we're not the people who are, like, <laughs> sailing, you know, marching into the weeds and making problems more difficult and intractable than they are. We're here to be productive Shag, we're here to get revenge on the patriarchy. Hey, Pete, I'm with you. And, I, you know, mm. the one thing, you know, we don't want to do in this podcast mm. is jump on bad wagons and be like, well, if everyone says this thing is, this is this mm. thing and we're going to celebrate it. As mm. always, this podcast is about getting you into the horror genre. Mm. I like... And reshes. Fucking... <laughs> or like it was about reshes. Now it's like about in shut <laughs> <laughs> But it's about me, you know, hopefully convincing you mm. about the worth of the horror genre and yes. about, you know, potentially an interesting spin on a more problematic element of the horror genre that you may or may not agree with, you may or may not like, mm. based on this Wikipedia synopsis. Like I said, I think it'd be a hard film for you to watch based mm. on the levels of blood and gore and viscera in it. But mm. as a film itself, I found it quite thrilling, quite exciting and the the payoff was very satisfying well le, let's do it as they say in france <laughs> now it, it it's like it's a french director french production but the film is mainly in english so so revenge begins with jennifer who's dubbed jen for the most of for most of the film is an american socialite who's in a secret relationship with her married neighbor richard now richard is french he 
speaks he he speaks to sorry, you. Sorry, that's like we're just speaking about fucking. <laughs> okay, yeah, just just pretend I didn't say Ooh, that. La, yes, la, Peach, la, la. La. Um, oh, we oui, we oui, to that. So he speaks French on the phone to his uh, wife and children, who we mm. re- we we reveal he has through these phone calls. Um, mm. There's also some sort of speculation that maybe he's a politician of some kind. He has this ridiculous secluded home in the middle of an American desert that he uses for hunting trips. And the film begins with Richard and Jennifer flying out to this secluded home in the middle of the desert for a weekend together before his annual hunting trip with his friends Stan and Dimitri. Now, for the first maybe 20 minutes of the film, she plays... She she's basically the trophy girlfriend of this guy. Like he's mm. he's he's an older alpha male who's clearly from a position of power and clearly with a lot of money. She's very happy to play along. It starts with her basically like welcoming him to the place with like a saucy dance, and then she goes down on him. And then there's this really weird moment where he lets out like a primal screen, and then it just goes straight to like the title card. And she's very much a naive kind of silly girl who's happy to like use her sexuality to get mm. what she wants right and a, that's what a I, Paris Hilton style character is that's not quite what you described but that's sort of what I have in mind but what, what I think is interesting about it and what I think makes this film interesting is that they don't let the audience off the hook especially if you're the sort of person who thinks well if she led them on she kind of deserved it right because you know by like she is very seductive and she is very like sexual with her movements with both him and the friends who are about to arrive right mm. so that's what I think is interesting about this film like sometimes in this genre the, the, the character at the beginning is so innocent and so pure that it's like that it's these evil monsters that come in. And so it's, it's like, it, you know, it, it forces that annoying stereotype that a crime can only happen to the pure. It can't happen to someone yes. who's, you know, maybe has like a muddy past according to the law. You know, you, you know what I yeah, mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, there's like a, quite a sophisticated class comment to be made there as well that I'm too unsophisticated to make, but, but sorry. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm having fun. So they, they're there for a night. And then the next morning mm. she wakes up and his two friends arrive and they're like a day early. And she gets a bit spooked because they're these kind of rough looking French dudes with rifles over their backs. And she's like, what the fuck? And then he's a bit pissed off. Because he's a bit like, you guys were supposed to arrive tomorrow. You weren't supposed to know about this girl I have who clearly I'm, you know, cheating on my family with. And Mm. she basically is like, I'm going to go take a shower. And as soon as she leaves, you know, one of his friends asks him in French, so how's the life and kids? And, you know, so there's... Oh, la, la. That's so passive aggressive from those hunters. That's a different kind of scalp that those hunters collected <laughs> straight, straight away. But they kind of all just sort of accept it. And then that mm. night, they sort of have like a little bit of a party. And she is like, so she gets just drunk and like super flirty with the friends. Does a sort of quasi strip tease for everyone. And then sort of like dances around with the dudes and like, you know, they're touching her and she's playing with their attention sort of thing, right? Mm. Another interesting uh, part that happens during the night is that the helicopter pilot gave... Richard a like a dose of peyote as like a bit of a gift yep. for the friends and they're about to take it and he's like you idiots there's guns around peyote's super strong I heard about this Polish guy who cut off his own leg without feeling it when he was high and then when he 
when he eventually died, there was no blood left in his body. So Jen, can you take this peyote and hides it? So she hides it in her necklace because she has a little sort of necklacey compartment. Um, and that's an important thing to remember for the rest of the Yes, film. yes, okay. So the next morning, she wakes up and she finds one of them in the pool and one of them sort of waiting for her at breakfast. And he's like, set the table for her. And he's like, well, it's just you and me now. And she's like, where's Richard? And he's like, oh, Richard has to go and sort out stuff with the gamekeepers this morning. He won't be back for the rest of the morning. So it's just us now. And she's clearly like a bit freaked out. So she checks her phone. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to go pack. So she goes into her room. Then one of them, so, and he's the gross one. So Stan follows her into the room while she's changing and is basically like, you liked me last night. What happened today? And she's like, you're making me very uncomfortable. And then he basically pushes her up against the wall and we know something's about to happen. And then at this point, something is about to happen. And then the friend comes in hearing a disturbance. And there's this amazing moment of like maybe, you know, 20, 30 seconds of him just staring in shock Stan staring back at him annoyed, her being like, silently, please help me. We cut very close to this friend. He's the sort of uh, overweight, slovenly one who's eating like Snickers. And we we have like a really close-up, slow-mo shot of him just like tearing the Snickers and the nougat out of his mouth and the crumbs all over his face and mixing in his beard. Like, it's quite grotesque. Mm. Classic female gaze, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting point about the female gaze because... The men are quite grunty, if that, if I can use that term, and disgusting in this film. Mm. So, in French, Stan basically says, "I'm busy, but if you want to join in, you can." It's which is really full on. There's still another moment of tension, and then the camera follows the friend out of the room. He decides that he doesn't want any part of this. He closes the door. We then hear her scream, like let out like a couple of really awful screams. So he just turns the TV on really high. So we can't hear her anymore. We just hear the TV really high. And then he goes outside and jumps in the really fancy desert pool. And so we don't see the act happen, but it's, it's quite an awful, tense, terrible scene. And this, this probably handles it the right way. So... Richard returns and he finds Stan and the friend. So the friend's called Dimitri. So he found Stan and Dimitri sitting on the couch, just looking a bit shell-shocked. And he's like, what did you do? And Stan's like, look, I've got to tell you something. They have some sort of a conversation. Richard goes into the room Mm. and he's like, I'm going to fix this. And she's like, I just need you to call the helicopter right now. I need to leave. Yeah. He's like, don't worry, I'll fix this. You just sleep. She's clearly in shock. So she kind of falls asleep as we hear him go outside and basically just shout at Stan and be like, what the fuck did you do? But also not in a like, that's a crime, but like, why would you be so silly? In a sort of come on, man kind of vibe. Come on, man. So she comes to sometime later with him next to her and she's like, how are you feeling? She's like, is the helicopter here yet? He's like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. She's like, please call the helicopter. He goes, okay, two things. Number one, so during this, she keeps talking about how she wants to move to LA and get a job in LA because she feels mm. like she, she, could, she could get discovered there. So she's kind of, she's very young. She's very naive. 
He basically goes, hey, I found you a job. It's in Canada. You can go there right now. I've made some calls. You can go there. And also, he gives her a post-it note and he's like, see that number? I've put that amount of money in a bank account for you. You can use it however you want. It's time for you to start a new life. What do you say? She's just like, I want to go home. I want you to call the helicopter. He's like, no, don't think about what you're doing. Be smart. She's like, call the helicopter or I'm going to tell your wife and kids about us. He then slaps her and is like, how dare you? Like, is basically like, you're nothing. How dare you speak about my wife like that? Like, it's mask off. We see the true Richard. She gets up and she just runs out into the desert. He gives chase. Then Stan and Dimitri from their couch in the other room through the window see the chase and they get up and give chase too. So she stops running when she gets to the top of a cliff edge. Ugh, yes, yes, we saw this, didn't we? And the three of them get there. Yeah, the three of them get there and Richard's like, look, okay, I'll call the helicopter pilot and he makes a fake call to the helicopter pilot and he's like, okay, I wanted to pick up a 2.30. I'd love you to come sooner. Half an hour? Yeah, that's good. He's like, okay, they're coming in half an hour. We'll put this all behind us. And then as he steps closer, it's just such a shocking moment. He reaches out and just pushes her over the edge. We then follow her over the edge where she lands on a dead tree as in, and is impaled off the ground where we see this stick basically go right through her chest and she is hanging limp off this tree. And the three of them look down there and they're basically like, okay, well now we have to do our camping trip like nothing happened. We have to go dispose of her body and then go back home and not talk about it. Stan and Demetria are a bit like, I don't know. And Richard's the alpha male and he's like, no, no, no. This is the, like, I'm in charge now and this is what, this we're, is what doing. we're doing. Yeah, fuck. So sometime later, Jen wakes up. And so would you like dispose of a body of someone we murdered if we were on a hunting trip like that? Well, I mean... If it assists you, it's probably unfair for me to throw you under the bus. I would not assist you and I'd completely, completely rat on you almost immediately. I'd be the first person to call and oh, you would, you'd be like, it. oh shit, what have I done? It's my fault, I'm yeah, just sorry. I, this is why it's like never make me part of a murder crew or like I just I like I would go to the police straight away this is what 50 Cent used to say about Jimmy uh, Jimmy Iovine uh, when the, when they used to talk talk to each other around the records and, and he's like Jimmy would come in and say look guys I'm a rat like do not tell me anything because <laughs> if anyone from the FBI asks me I'll tell them every single thing you say so do not fucking talk about it around me I have no <laughs> poker face yep. the, the detectives wouldn't have to use any techniques on me they'd be like so Shag uh, we're turning on the recorder now I'd be like oh you got me okay here's what happened <laughs> recording it oh, okay yeah alright you now <laughs> I mean now you're recording it I can't lie I played my tape. last card and, and this is and, and, and I see we're at the end game I don't want to get too distracted but today's the 1st of April when we're recording oh no it's not it's the fucking the one long spooky night etc um, best April Fool's prank literally ever I've ever seen was played on us slash me today right I left a firm I'd been at for six and a half years to join this firm one of the big reasons is this particular dude who's our managing director who I think is amazing Stipe I know you don't listen to this podcast but I know you pretend to listen and that means the world to me <laughs> that you are always like oh, how's your horror movie podcast going and that's fine and I appreciate it 
today, there's this email that comes out from our super earnest, super lovely HR partner of the firm. So she's an owner of the firm, but but she takes responsibility for HR. So anything that comes from her is sort of gospel. And it's like, hey, everyone, bit of a bittersweet note today. Our chair and our managing director are both gone by the end of the month. Don't worry, we're replacing them with these other people. And like immediately I was straight like texting my wife to be like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'd set up already in the following minutes like beers and coffees with these other firms that had been like, Peach, we want you to come and join. And I got in contact with our you know, who I thought was our former managing director. He'd be like, hey, man, what do you need to start your new cryptocurrency firm? Like, I'm keen to stay like a friend to you and help support. And he was like, oh, Peach, don't like, don't worry. It was an April Fool's prank. And it's the best and most effective April Fool's prank that I've ever been a part of. And I think it proved that pranks need to have a bit of a victim. I'm not, uh, look, I'm not saying that lawyers don't have a sense of humour. I think you're a really funny guy Mm. and... I think you're proof that... I like where this is going. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Yes. I think that's one of the worst kinds of April Fool's joke. Like, like I, I think they're all terrible. Is it because of the cruelty, Shag? I know, I know, I know cruelty is not a way to appeal to your sense of humour. And, and I feel like most pranks need a sort of victim-y kind of party in there. Look, I, I work in marketing and a lot of brands... It used to be quite fashionable to do... A usually on social media, some sort of mm. April Fool's Day post. It's Ooh, usually Coke's announced coming out with a <laughs> medicine flavor. You guys can't wait to launch medicine Coke. Ooh, yeah, it's go, literally that, and brands still do it, right? And anytime brands are like, "Should we do it?" I'm like, "No, we should not do it." <laughs> There's literally no value for your company in doing one, and it's a waste of our time. It's a waste of your time. It could backfire. If it doesn't, people will be like, "Oh, that was kind of funny," and not so, care. The risk is high and the return is low. Yeah, right? good. I understand. And yeah. so my thing with that particular April Fool's prank, and again, like pranks suck. We mm. all know pranks suck. Pranks are pranks are the worst kind of humor because you're right. Pranks only work if there's a victim. And the moment you say a joke needs a victim, you're like, oh, maybe that's not a good kind of joke, right? The moment you even think about it in that sense. But I guess for me. What is the point of a joke that literally makes you break the trust you hold with people and like weaken it just a bit? So the next time you say something important, people are like, oh, well, last time you said something and it was a joke. Like, why would you build trust and then break it in the name of a day that no one actually cares about? Like April first is not that's even a the joke. thing. I like. I think. I think the biggest <laughs> argument I can make against you <laughs> is the three or the three and a half words of "That's the joke." That's the joke, Shag. <laughs> I spent years building trust and I threw it all away. And that's what? the. What? It's it? not even a joke, Peach. Imagine <laughs> if I was like, "Oh, Peach, um, really sorry, really sorry. I um, uh, we've got to stop doing Spooko because." Uh, well, like, we, like, lost the house because I lost my job and then turned out, you know, and basically I'm just, I'm out of money and actually, you know, Golden Child's really sick and we're going to have to, we're going to have to, like, oh, April Fool's, none of that shit, like, that's all Fucking, you got me, I feel bad. Like, fuck that. 
Anyway, so where were we? We were talking about Man, revenge. Look, shout out, shout out to our, shout out to my chair, shout out to our <laughs> magic director. They're obviously exempt from all those criticisms, and it was the perfect prank. Anyway, so mm. Richard, Dimitri, and Stan decide to leave Jen's body there, go hunting, and then clean it up later on. Yeah, that's man. the plan. Yeah, I'd call the police. Well, I'd be like, "Yeah, man, I'll clean up the body." Like, the <laughs> <fine again?" laughs> they'd be like, "Shag's already called them. Don't worry, <laughs> it's engaged." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Ooh, la la. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just me police. Alright, okay, alright. So Jen this oh, is this is really hard. Like Jen is so hardcore in this film. So she wakes up and she's basically suspended in the air with a branch sticking through her torso. Yes. And she she can't really move. She can't. She she reaches around and she finds a lighter that was on her, and no. she manages to burn the brush underneath the tree, which causes the tree to snap and her to fall onto the ground. But with this log, it's basically a log with this Sticking branch still impaled through her. There is this amazing moment where the three men come back to see her and she can hear their cars and quad bikes coming. So Mm. she basically has to somehow find the strength to stand up and press herself against the mountain so when they look over, they can't see her. So they look over and can't see her and they're like, fuck, she's gone, we've got to find her. And she's like, okay, they're looking for me, I need to go hide. Zutalo. So she wanders through the desert trying to avoid the three men who have since realized that she's escaped and have split up to search. They follow her bloody tracks because they go down to the bottom. They find, they f- they're, they're like, this is going to be easy. They follow her bloody tracks to a river where they're uh, like, we, yes. we need to split up. So the awful one, Stan, I mean, they're all awful, but the terrible one, Stan, is like, I'm too scared. I'm going to stay with the cars. Uh, slobby one, Dimitri, goes down one side and Richard goes down the other side. Now... While Dimitri goes down one side, he can't see her. He start he he puts like he puts his gun down, and he starts taking a piss. She emerges out of the water, yes. sees him, goes towards him, tries to grab his shotgun, and like points it at him. And he's like, "Wait! Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Don't shoot!" And she pulls the trigger, and nothing happens. And she pulls it, click, 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 click. Nothing happens. Oh, and then his whole demeanor changes and he's like, you're a stupid girl. What do you, do you think? As if I would leave my gun loaded, just waiting for someone to pick it up, which is very meta because it's also a thing to be like, this is not going to be an easy journey for Jen. Like this, this oh. revenge is going to be hard one. He grabs her and then tries to drown her in the river. And then he, he just, just to prove as well, like, They need to make sure that even though this guy was the guy that just sort of stood by and let the the assault happen, he's still like, and that's as bad as anyone, don't get me wrong, but to just to show that he is like extra bad as he's like drowning her, picks her up and he's like, see, this is how I hunt. I like my prey to think they've got the one up on me, but as soon as they, they get closer, they realize they're the prey. And then he tries to like, puts her head down again. And 
while she's there, we see from her perspective, she's reaching around and she reaches out and grabs a knife from like his hunting knife from his, uh, like, I guess he's like, like, like his, you know, his bandolero, you know, the hunters have all this like extra shit. Fuck hunters. Like what a dumb sport. But at the same time I eat meat. So it's like, but, but you know what I mean? But you wouldn't wear a bandolero. Yeah. 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 So pulls out the knife and as he pulls it. That's a joke. I don't know what a fucking bandolero is, but I'm like, I'm here. Like I'm with you. I'm having fun. I'm listening. I'm agreeing. As he pulls her out of the water one more time, once again, to gloat about how great he is and how he's going to kill her. She very quickly just stabs him straight in the eye. And it's a massive knife. So it's not like it just goes just into the eye. It goes to the whole sort of eye area. And then she, in like a little bit of shock, just kind of watches him as he sort of like stumbles around. And we probably spend a lot of time looking at his face with this knife straight through the eye area and like the exploded eyeball and stuff. And eventually he just falls back into the water and she's like, I'm going to need this knife. So she's just like grabs it and then like pulls it out of him very slowly, which again is foreshadowing of more pulling things out of wounds later. The, oh, a big God. motif of this film is pulling things out of wounds. Oh, God. So she grabs his gun, finds his quad bike that has the ammunition and a bunch of other stuff, and rides off. Mm. Now, before this had happened, he when, when he captured her, he sent a radio message to the other two being like, I've got her, I'm going to finish her off. So they think she's dead. Yes. Jen then hides in a cave and realizes that she can't pull this. Like, she tries to pull this thing out of her, and she's like, like, and it's disgusting. And she's like, I can't do this. And then remembers that story about taking the peyote and that Polish guy who sawed his own leg off. Yes. And so she takes the she takes the peyote and removes the branch. And there's this amazing moment where you see her face, and it's almost like she both can't feel it, but she's realizing her power. And then she cauterizes the wound with the aluminium from a beer can that was part oh, of this hunting man. guy's supply. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, fuck. And then after a series of nightmares of the men hunting her, and then all of these like weird quick cut shots of lizards and close up shots of ants and like rotting apples and stuff, she has this crazy peyote nightmare. She wakes up and sets out to find them first. Now, Richard and Stan discover and dispose of Dimitri's body, and then Richard orders Stan to track Jen down in his SUV. Uh, Stan runs out of gas while in Jen's sights. Jen shoots him. So Jen sees him, tries to shoot him. Again, the movie trying to be like, no, 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 this is still a realistic movie. It's a big gun, and the kick is massive, and it basically throws her backwards. Stan gets shot in the shoulder, but he's not dead. Jen's now on her back. And so, Jen, so Stan is able to get some cover and they engage in a gunfight in which Stan manages to blow Jen's earlobe off with a rifle. And then the hunter becomes the hunted and then Stan's chasing her. And then at one point she breaks her flashlight because she knows that he's barefoot and like puts the glass all over the ground. Oh, he man. steps on it. And then there's this scene where he opens a wound in his foot to pull the glass out and... Like, oh my God, this scene is just, it's so long. And it's not even like, it's its just, it's not even the last time we feature people going into people's wounds. Like, it's just, oh, there's a man. lot of digging inside people's wounds in this film. Oh God. 
But after removing the glass from his foot, Stan gets back into the SUV. Oh, my God. And then there's a bit where he puts his foot down on the accelerator and then blood goes everywhere and then he screams and then he realises the only way he can drive is it to lose a lot of blood every time he puts his foot down and it's it's just so <laughs> gross. It's so gross. I feel there's like a whisper of like Home Alone sort of vibe to this, but no, there's no blinky silliness. It's kind of like they're buffoons and there's like a sometimes there's a bit of a levity to it and in reviews it's like this movie kind of had to have a bit of that because it is so full on and so so cutthroat Mm. so anyway so Stan gets back in his SUV tries to run Jen down however Jen manages to shoot him with Dimitri's shotgun and then takes the car for herself so now two of them are dead and it's just Richard Uh, Richard realises they're both dead when he makes a radio call to Stan and gets nothing so he makes it back to the house and he calls the helicopter to come pick him up straight away and then he takes a shower but here's a noise and then like totally nude goes out searching for Jen. And there's something in the fact that he's this new, like this, this new dude stalking this now, like I said before, complete huntress who is like, yeah. she, she has the ammo over her. She's got a knife wrapped around. She's covered in scars that she's Sick. cauterized herself and she's carrying this like massive gun. So after he gives up looking for her, he sees her through the window and she shoots him in the stomach, causing like a pretty big wound. He runs off and then there's this chase around the house and as they, they basically chase themselves in a circle and he's obviously dripping blood the whole time. So the, the walls get more covered in blood and the ground gets thicker in blood to the point where she eventually slips, loses control of the gun and he knocks her out with the butt of the gun. She wakes oh up God. to him strangling her and then there's this amazing scene. Again, this is like, you know, to your point, it's not the female gaze, but it's from a female viewpoint. Yeah. He has this big speech for her where he's like, I told you, blah, blah, blah. But then we keep cutting to her perspective where there's just blood in her eyes and she just can't even hear what she's saying. He's just He sounds like a peanuts parent being like... And we just get sick. little intercut bits of his big speech, but we don't hear any of it. And it just gets to this point at the end where he's like, why do girls always have to put up a fight? At this point, she like she just yes. reaches no, back I'm ready. and puts her entire hand into his chest wound, and uh. he just like this. And I'm not laughing because it's like it's a funny moment. I'm laughing because it's so full on. He screams and falls down. She picks up the gun, shoots him, and then he's dead. She picks herself up. She walks outside. We hear the chopper in the background. And she does that iconic look from the poster and the trailer where she just turns around and looks the camera dead in the eye. And then it just flashes up. Revenge. And that's the end of Revenge. One of my faves. Like, one of my faves. Like, like... One of the grimmest things about horror is the failure to rationalise the evil and horrificness. And I feel like you're getting in there and be like, no, 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 this is why it's okay that you're watching all these awful things happen. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You are making it okay for me to see these awful things. Revenge, you are a true act of vengeance against worse horror movies. I'm putting this in the top ten, Gooey. I'm comfortable with that. Revenge, top ten. 
Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? Also, Peach, shout mm. out to Katie. I got a question for you. Mm. Have you seen Silence of the Lambs? <laughs> Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs>